Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello, welcome to chapter six of the Corona Diaries. The, the immaculately turned out Mr. Steve Hogarth is on screen. Morning, H, how are you? I've put a T-shirt on. You have? You have? You're dressed? Yeah, well done. I'm wearing trousers. Yes, all of those things, yes. Spectacular as it's only uh, only half past five in the afternoon. No, it isn't really. It's five past ten. We're, we're again re- <laughs> recording early. How are you? I'm well. I'm, a, I'm just a little bit bleary-eyed and, you know, the, the, I feel like my throat's full of tree bark. But that, that, apart from that, I'm good. I'm good. I might have to keep stopping to sneeze because the pollen oh, levels okay. through the roof this okay. morning. It's a very fine morning. I can feel my nose itching. So if I if I find if, if I suddenly go, Rah! it's not because I'm I'm epileptic. It's because right. I'm just sneezing. Right. Okay. Fine. Thank, thanks for the warning. Um, I, I wanted to start this morning uh, with a little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of shop talk, because we talked to you last week about Patreon and how we were going to give people an opportunity to help support the show, and we did manage to pull our finger out, didn't we? This week, we've actually it's all been done and it's all gone live. In fact, by the time you hear this, it'll have been live a week actually, because uh, we're we're on we're on Monday and Chapter Five has gone live this morning. Um, and we're obviously doing we've chapter six. We've pulled all 20 fingers out. We've pulled all 20 fingers out. It's been a bit of a learning curve for us this week. Fingers but, everywhere, though. But what we can now tell you is it's all got some structure. So the last time we mentioned it, it was all a bit, well, you can support the show and it's gonna, it might be a bit like this and we're not quite well, sure. We're going to think of something great. But but yeah. but now it's a thing. It's real. So we've got we've got two ways you can support the show. Um, and we have our... Our kind of uh, level called call, never, never forget your roots. We went with, didn't we? We did. Yeah, um, I think that we, was your idea, but it was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, they, it has dominated. I didn't realise how much your roots dominated both the diaries and all these podcasts until I listened back. So, uh, oh, it's it's a constant bane of my life. Yeah, it really is. That and. Putting my teeth back in. Put your teeth back in, yeah. Which is the other thing that's dominating the podcast. Um, <laughs> so we we went with we went with that, and uh, and for a very very small amount of money, and it's actually in pounds, not dollars. We thought it was in dollars, but as it turned out, it's in pounds. I think Patreon yeah, used to be in dollars, but it is actually you now have the option for pounds. So we took the option for pounds, though with the exchange rate the way it is, I don't think there's much actual difference between the two. Um, and for a couple of quid a month, uh, you get early access to the podcast. You get a you get a, a shout out on the podcast, um, and you get our huge thanks for for helping keep all this spinning. Because without you, we're not going to be able to do this show every you know there's there's a cost attached and we're not gonna be able to do it every week but we we want to do it every week um because we've got so much we've, we've got so much well it's not me it's you you've got so much stuff to talk about um well apparently i do yeah um i kept kept think, worrying that it'd run out but it seems to be <laughs> a bit like you know i don't know a spring <laughs> there's, 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 there is a spring you are you are very virile um um and and then the other thing is we've created this 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 other tier called uh, the purple aura, um, and purpleness seems to have taken off as well, doesn't it? Um, it it's really taken off. I think there's people's dogs under sofas all o- all over the world now, cowering, <laughs> cowering, refusing to come out. And they've all got it. <laughs> no, no, nobody in this. Nobody in our club now can go anywhere near the grandchildren because they just scream every time they walk into a room. So, uh, so we created the purple aura, um, and uh, and for a, and for a fiver a month, which is which is you know, not much over the cost of a coffee. Um, well, I suppose it depends where you were brought up in Retford. You get a couple for that, but yeah, it's you know not much over a cup of a, a coffee. Um, you get extra content. So we we the we're. We've decided we're going to do two pieces of extra exclusive content for our 
our purple patrons uh, once a month. So one of them's already live, um, and we recorded an extra thing called the Odds and Sodcast. Exactly. Uh, uh, which uh, is an extra little podcast with exclusive... We debated at length about whether it should be the Odd and Sodcast. Yes. The Odd and Sodcast, the Odds and Sodcast, <laughs> or this, the Sods and Oddscast, and, <laughs> and on it went. And on it went. There was actually a lot of lot of feverish typing about that. Um, and it was 25 texts. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up with Odds and Sodcast. Um, and if you want to explain it, just message H because he he really <laughs> understands it, and I got lost in the mix somewhere though. Uh, and I'm not saying that you can message him directly on on Patreon, but you can message him directly on Patreon. Um, you can, yeah. I keep getting them. Yeah, hundreds of them. hundreds of them. Yeah, um, I do read them. So thank um, you. Um, he does read them. I do know anyway. He reads. I've read all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I should say as well that there's an awful lot of people are saying, my birthday's on January the 3rd, so can I have a birthday card for last January? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the the natural conclusion of that, in fact, one, one one chap even said it over the weekend, was, look, look, instead of doing birthday cards, why don't you just send everybody a card now? Uh, and then all the people who've had a birthday won't feel left out. But um, that would cost me more than the membership. Yeah. Uh, send send everybody a card right now. Um, I'd have to sell one of my unfeasibly expensive guitars. Well, bugger that, <laughs> thinks H. Uh, so um, I'll I'll kind of we'll I'll see what I can do for those of you perhaps who've just had a birthday in in early May or April. But I'm not going back to January and February. You're going to have to wait. A birthday is a birthday, Faulty. You can't go having your, your birthday present at Christmas. No, you can't. Unless you were born at Christmas, in which case you obviously get a crap present. Um, so you don't want that. And patience is a virtue. It certainly is. As my How can you look say. forward to something if you don't have to look forward to something? As, as as I've never said. No, no, until now, but it was beautifully put. So, yeah. so How can I miss you if you won't go away, as my wife often says to me? Oh, do you know what? For the first time when we'll be recording this, I actually forgotten where I was before you started taking us off in a different direction. <laughs> but I'll bring, us, I'll bring us back to purpleness. So, ah, yes. Purpleness, yes. yes. Um, so, yes, extra content. So Odds and Sodcast, um, which is exclusive, unpublished diary content. So um, that Stuff is... Stuff I didn't even know I had. That you didn't even know you had uh, and haven't spent the weekend feverishly writing. Um, it is actually... Mm. It is there. It's legitimate. We found it. We've uncovered it. Uh, it's a bit like when they found that old Beatles track. Um, you know, we, we're bringing it to you by the mid- <laughs> miracle of technology. So there's there's odds and sodcasts. And then the other thing we're going to do, we are going to do, and, and we're going to get one recorded um, so it's out... Um, so you'll get a new piece of content every couple of weeks. So uh, we're going to record Q&As with questions that have come in via the guest book uh, on uh, H's website. So we're going to be sitting down over the course of the next few days or next week and we'll record the first one of those. So we'll do a sort of 30-minute, 35-minute chunk of questions. So if you want to get involved in that, then get questions coming through the guest book. Uh, and if you're a if you're a purple That's patron, stevehogarth.com. stevehogarth.com. And if you're a purple patron, you will get access to that episode as as well. So um, we just wanted to round up because the offer's there now, and because you can go and you can go and find it, and it's patreoncom stroke Corona Diaries. But there's a link on the show notes as well. Um, and please go and check it out. And huge thanks to all those people. Oh, actually, the one thing we didn't mention: everybody who signs up will get a shout out on the on the podcast. We haven't shouted anyone out. No, we're, we we'll to have do to do that. Yeah, we'll do it at the end. I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll do, do it at the end. But we can't do you all in. one. We did talk about doing you all in one go and doing it, running it at triple speed, and just getting see if we could get through it in like a minute. But it seems a little bit disingenuous to do that, though it would be highly amusing. Um, so we'll probably don't all shout at once we'll we will uh, start at the beginning of the the people who signed up first and we will do it in chronological order and we'll do 15 or 20 on each episode so you will get your shout out but if you're joining now it might be a few episodes down the line but everybody will get a shout on the podcast proper and we'll probably do it sort of as a, a last thing before we before we wrap up so that's that's kind of 
That's the the Patreon Patreon. Did we, did we decide if it's Patreon or Patreon? What did Vibe say? I think I could do the shout outs to music. I might switch to piano on. Oh, that is know. a brilliant idea. I'll do I'll do them to I'll do them to music at the end. Well, in which case, then we won't do them live. I'll let you do them to music because I think that would be amazing. Actually, right. actually, that's another birthday yeah, card idea. Tr- tr- trying to think, and I know, and I know you're sober. Burning his week, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you sober. Going oh, oh, oh. up divorced. Uh, no. Well, yeah, but if that if the worst does happen, remember about the carpet. Remember, I won't. How can I divorce you if you won't go away? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, 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 you own the first three steps of the carpet. Yeah. We'll tell you about that on another day. That was a rather random exercise yeah. as well, but there we are. Um, so, I had to persuade him to do this somehow. <laughs> you you haven't got as much on me as Dominic Cummings has clearly got on Boris Johnson, have you? So that's the, <laughs> that's, that's, that's part of the problem. Uh, you're not going to stand at Electon and defend me. Um, right. The, the other thing, because we are actually into the episode proper, though this does feel a little bit loose, but I'm liking it. It's that kind of day. It's been cold in Monday. It can be a bit loose. Um oh. My my wife, uh, Alison, she listened to the episode that everybody's hearing today, the one that's gone live today, not the one recording, the one that's actually gone out to the public today, which talks about holidays and a load of other stuff and a sax player called Chopper, um, <laughs> which still makes me laugh. Um, Lovely bloke. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure he is and was. Um, she was listening to that episode and she came back and of all the things I thought she would say about it, because I, I, I send her away, I send her away quite a lot, but I send her away to listen to, to just to check that it's all all right. There's no glaring, ridiculous squeaks or bumps or missed bits of audio, what have you. And she went away to listen to it. She came back and she said, they don't have much luck with gear, do they? And I said, you what? And she said, well, a load of gear got locked in the van. <laughs> yes, okay. That's true. We never saw that again. And then a load of gear got locked into that rehearsal room didn't it and i said yeah, yeah it did and she said how did they get the gear out of the rehearsal studio uh and if you you need to have listened to last week's episode but so quick resume from uh yeah quick resume the man who, who ran the rehearsal studio was um was a bit of an alcoholic um and not really he only had one foot in life let's put it that way um and um, this this made him not a brilliant businessman. Um, and as a consequence of that, he didn't pay his electricity bills, even though he was renting this enormous place out for bands to rehearse. And some of these bands were quite big. There was people like Hans Zimmer, the, the film composer. He wow. was working down there. There was Billy Idol. There was us. There was a magazine. Um, you know, quite a lot of bands used to use it, and apparently he'd never paid his electricity bill in like years, uh, and he'd managed to fend the electricity company uh, off for for you know until the day that he couldn't fend them off anymore. Where lo and behold, we were in the basement rehearsing, of course, um, and and everything went chunk and went black and off. All the gear went off, the lights went off, everything was off, the building was off. And they'd pulled the main fuses out that fed that building. Um, our equipment was in the basement, which was only accessible via an enormous lift. And, of course, the lift was off. So getting the gear out. There was a, a, like a little fire escape staircase out the side. And um, I think in the ver- at the very, very end, we ended up taking all our gear out that way, which was almost impossible because it was such a narrow space and there was a really steep metal fire escape stairs. And out of desperation, about five or six weeks later, I think we got it out that way because we'd got A&M Records phoning up the electricity board, pleading with them just to put the fuses in for an hour so we could get our gear out in the lift. And they they just sort of folded their arms and went, no, 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 no. So they'd obviously had an absolute face full of Chris over the years. Um, and and even the electric company were, were taking it personal, personally. Um, and that was that. So in the end, I think we, we did we did get our our gear you know some you know cp70 try getting a cp70 piano out of a door you know with, oh, 
We did fortunately we didn't have a Hammond organ, but we did we did have a lot of really bulky speaker cabinets and whatnot. I think we got it all out, but it was it was hard work. Mm. So you did get it back though. So unlike the Harlow stuff, which got lost, unlike the Harlow stuff that we is still in a pound somewhere in South London. Right, well, it probably isn't. It's probably it was probably sold on the sly to. Uh, various characters but unlike harlow europeans didn't fall on the back of not being able to get your gear out for a while so where did where did europeans go next um well we uh we we went straight to a&m and went and a&m tried to sort it out and they couldn't sort it out um then we took it out through the fire escape then um I mean, our own gear used to sit in a in a storeroom behind the the house that the boys lived in, which was the second house, not the uh, Melrose Avenue one, the one opposite the chip shop. In fact, we even had we we even had a backing vocal on one of our songs that went fish bar, restaurant, fish bar, restaurant, because it used to say that in neon, opposite the. Um, Opposite the flat where they lived. That's another story. And then there's the story about the daughter of the owner of the Bank of Luxembourg and my sister. Um, we'll get. We maybe get on to that. Um, but um, yeah, the the gear was in Wembley or somewhere then, and um, and then we moved to rehearsal studios because uh, the other one had, had gone. Um, and we used to go to a place in South London near Waterloo. And I think Depeche Mode owned it. Okay. And so we used to rehearse in the in the first studio when you went down the corridor. And then I think there was another rehearsal studio. And then the third studio at the end of the corridor was Depeche Mode were permanently in there. Um, and you'd see them coming and going. I mean, they were really, we were all really young. We were all about 23 years old or something. Um and uh, Vince Clark went went by one day, and um, Vince and I got talking, and he said, "Do you want to come and have a look at our synthesizers?" Well, I bet you say that to all the boys. I said, um, and he probably did. He did. Uh, so, so I went down the I went down the corridor with Vince, um, and that's and, not a uh, euphemism, folks. <laughs> he, showed me, he showed me his gear. Yeah, and very nice it was too. Uh, they they'd got one of those big synths that looks like a telephone exchange, and I got little synths and medium sized synths. They'd got a room full of keyboards. I'd never seen so much gear in my life, and he was so nice, you know. And uh, we had a lovely chat. And um, as I've already said in a diary, um, you know, years after that, I ran into Alison Moye. So that was the other half of Yazoo, as it turned out. But this was long before Vince left Depeche Mode. Um, and uh, and so so that was my Depeche Mode story. We used to rehearse ne- next door to them. We used to see them all the time. And years later, when I joined Marillion, I happened to mention Depeche Mode, and they said... Oh, we used to play pool with them because um, they'd been in a studio um, before we'd met um, recording, I don't know, clutching at straws or something. Um, and Depeche Mode were in the next, were in the next studio and they, they, they used to play pool against one another during, the, during their break. And they, they, the boys in Marillion maintained that Depeche Mode were really nice people as well. You know, so... I've got. I can tell you, folks. Depeche Mode are really nice oh, people. You heard it here first. But you're right about one thing. They always seem very, very as a band, very switched on. They're that kind of U2 thing about them as well. They've been really, really, you know, keen business. Yeah, I'd say very... they were more switched on than U2 in yeah. the sense that they they always had their own record label. They, they started Mute Records themselves, and so essentially they owned everything. That they put out, and that's so rare for a for for any kind of pop group or rock group to be that sussed out from the word go, and to be able to have hits and and break through without having the massive corporation around you. You know, doing it on your own independent label is is extraordinary, and they they did it, and then they did it again. You know, Vince did it again when he when he went solo. Well, he did it three times, yeah. didn't he? Because if you think about Erasure and then as well, he did it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, and uh, and and arguably with Yazoo and and absolutely with Erasure. I mean, Erasure was absolutely mainstream. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean that was 
that was just straight up Uber, Uber numbers. Yeah, you know, for those first and Depeche couple of Mode too. Yeah. You, you know, I, 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 I mean, at one stage we 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 went to Canada and there's this massive uh, gig there called the Sky Dome where they they play the the, the ice hockey, the national ice hockey team. Mm-hmm. In uh, is that in Toronto or Montreal? I think it's in Toronto. And Depeche Mode held the record for having sold it out in the shortest time. You know, they should they sold it out in a couple of minutes. Um, so absolutely huge band as well, mm. Depeche Mode. That, that takes us because obviously we're still talking a little bit about you. Know, we are talking about Europeans, um, and yeah, we talked earlier on about you sending me random WhatsApp messages, and you sent me another random WhatsApp message. Um, in fact, at some point, I think I might just publish our WhatsApp threads because I'm, I'm sure that I'd you make think they're random. They're they're all perfectly <laughs> sensible when I send them. Yeah. <laughs> They must randomise on the way. <laughs> Viewed from a different set of eyes. Um, but uh, so, so you sent me a WhatsApp message saying, don't forget to ask me about Dennis Nielsen, the serial killer. And I've been trying yeah. to think of a way of working that in subtly, but it's not an easy thing to work in subtly. So I'm just going to come out and say it. H, tell me about Dennis Nielsen, the serial killer. Yes, well... Um especially the people in the UK will probably have heard of him because, uh, you know, if they're of a certain age, they'll remember the headlines. It's a big deal. Um, it was a big, it was a big deal because as serial killers usually are when they're, when they're finally exposed. If you're not from the UK, you might not have heard of him unless you have a, 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 a certain passion for serial killers as, as certain weirdos do. <laughs> uh, and, and you've been looking them up. But Dennis Nielsen was um, one of one of our more infamous serial killers. He was up there with Peter Sutcliffe, really, um, and he used to um, pick up um, gay guys in, in in pubs in London, um, chat them up a bit, and if he found out that they they hadn't really got anywhere to stay, he would he would invite them back to his place. And then he would uh, he would strangle them, and 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 um, and he'd been doing this for years. Um, anyway, cut to Melrose Avenue in Wilsdon Green, which is where the Europeans lived um, for years. Um, I didn't live there, but I, I used to go there all the time. I used to stay over all the time because I lived in Shepparton. So if I'd missed the last train. Um, I'd stay over in uh, in Wilston Green and Melrose Avenue with the boys. Now, the boys and the Europeans, Fergus Harper, the bass player and singer, was gay and um, quite a minimalist approach to dressing, mm. um, especially during the the, the warm weather. Uh, and and he and particularly Jeff, the drummer, who was a very flamboyant. Was he wasn't gay? He was straight, uh, but he was a pretty flamboyant he dressed as though he was gay basically uh short shorts and little vest vest tops and singlets and little jaunty caps and whatnot um jaunty is a great kind of jaunty cap he was a he was fond of a jaunty cap was jeff um he probably still is he's a great drummer but uh, he's he's also an interesting and flamboyant dresser, and they would be out there and you know on sunny days out the front of the house in Melrose Avenue, sunbathing, wearing not much, no doubt. And Dennis Nielsen, as it turned out, lived next door but four. The whole time he was murdering people, uh, so he would have been going by, you know, <laughs> raising one eyebrow at the scantily clad young lads. Um, so it's a miracle that uh, they lived as long as they did, to be honest. Because if he'd have if he'd have said, "Look, I'm having a bit of trouble with the plumbing. You can't just you can't give me a hand, can you?" It would be the last time anybody anyone saw them alive. Um, so, of course, we were bliss, all blissfully unaware of this the whole time we were we were living there. In fact, another thing I remembered about that house was Lil and Val. Um, Jeff had a had a girlfriend called Lil who wore lederhosen all the time. She wasn't German. She just wore lederhosen. <laughs> and uh, she had a sister called Val. I think they were they might have been twins, or if they weren't twins, there wasn't there was not much more than a year between them. 
and Lil and Val became a movie star. That's another thing. Um, but before I get into that, uh, Lil, Lil and Val were um, in the kitchen one day when I arrived at that house and they were making a lemon meringue pie um, and they couldn't find a food mixer. So they put a whisk in an electric drill and um, they were whisking they were whisking the mix just as I walked into the kitchen and they said, do you think this will work? And I said, well, hang on a minute. And as I said, hang on a minute, they pulled the trigger and there was just egg white all over <laughs> the walls, the ceiling and everybody in the, in the room. It just went Wuff! like that. Um, so I have fond mem- memories of Lil and Val who, and they had two birds in a cage called Peter and Tweeter, uh-huh. which I think is such great names uh-huh. for a pair of birds. And Val became a movie star. In fact, I was on the I, I was on the tube with Val the day she was going for her audition at uh, Lambda, the London whatever it is uh, Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. Um, and she went through Lambda, and then she was in a film called uh, Liaison Dangereux. Quite, she was quite a main character in that, and she she was called Vil, uh, Val Gogan. Don't know what happened to her after that. But Val and I used to be good mates because we used to take the tube into London together, her on her way into college and me on my way home. Um, Anyway, we Europeans eventually got a deal and we were in the Manor Studios near Oxford, Richard Branson's place. Um, Sat at a long table having breakfast one morning, making our first album. When the newspapers came round, and sure enough, there on the front was was Dennis Nielsen and the number of people he'd killed, and he was chopping their heads off and boiling their bones and trying to flush them down the toilet. And uh, the police got onto him because his, his the sewers were all blocked and the drains were full of human remains. Oh dear. Um, and I think the neighbours had found up about the smell or something, and the you know, and he so then they caught him. And uh, he was next door, but four, and you could, so so of course we, we, everybody's everybody's looking at the papers, going, "Jesus Christ, that's dreadful, isn't it?" And then they get to the they get to the point where his address is, and there was just this holy fucking hell, and then the the baked beans have spat up the wall, you know, as one as we all realised that this guy had been murdering people next door, but four for years and years. Um, I think we moved. I think they moved out after that and went to went to Neesden. Right. <laughs> Opposite a fish and chip shop. I don't, I don't. I don't. Normally, for me, I've always got a follow up, but I think I might leave that one hanging and and say that yeah. we'll move to the diary section. Yeah, uh, that's what they should have done to Dennis. <laughs> well, yeah, because I don't quite know where to go after that. So, um, if <laughs> you you we'll we'll move to the diary section and trying to we'll move on to something a little bit. A little bit lighter, perhaps. We're on holidays, need and tour, aren't we? Still, um, we are. I don't um, know if there's any serial killers in that, so no, it will no. be a bit lighter. So we'll 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 do that. And I've got a sneaking suspicion um, that you're you're just about to uh, disappear up to Edinburgh. Um, oh God, yeah. Oh my Lord, yeah, yeah. These are the this is the the reminiscences of what happened on the How We Live tour, yeah. Because so. the the very words Edinburgh Playhouse make me go all shaky and shivery. Um, do you want me to read that now, or shall we just we'll, we'll, we'll get into? I'll I'll read this out and send it to you later. Tell you what, read it out and send it to um, me later. Because if you're going to have a little reaction to it, it might I, be. I yeah. might. Yeah, I might. I might. I might have to to lie down after I've read it. It's, it was. It, God, it was a dreadful experience. That. I'll tell you what, kids, just say no to drugs. Say no, kids. Say no, kids. Yes. Because I've said yes in the past. (laughs) And occasionally I've really regretted it. It can backfire. (laughs) It can backfire. So if you can't get them in boots, you're probably best leaving them alone. Right. And and there we have it. So enjoy the diary, uh, which H might have to read in a darkened room later on. Um, and we'll kind we'll regroup. Sixty four year old blokes always say though, isn't it? <laughs> when you're thirty four, that's not what they say. I'm sixty four. Uh, just say no. I'm failing miserably to close this off. So I'll have a, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll so- put my foot down with a firm hand and <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, go, enjoy the diary. We'll speak to you in a few minutes.
Sunday, 22nd of September. Manchester to Edinburgh Playhouse. Up at 10. Didn't feel quite ready. I could have managed another hour. It was raining when we left Manchester. Signed yet more record sleeves for someone who was waiting patiently outside the Britannia Hotel. Drove up to Edinburgh in Steve R's Porsche 928, which made the journey a bit less of a hike than the bus, and checked in quickly and then out again to the venue for sound check. All went well. My sound on stage was much better than Manchester. Heard that Fish is coming to the show along with his band and half his crew. Yikes. I ought to be past caring, but I'm not. Back at the hotel, I stared out at the trees on the hill, which were just starting to turn from green of summer to the reds and browns of autumn. Crows blew like unanchored black kites over the hill in the wind above the trees, their leaves blown sideways and upwards along the branches, like people's hair in open cars. Autumn comes tomorrow here. Down south in England, perhaps we'll have a week or two more of summer. Back to the playhouse, scene of my previous worst nightmare gig. I was young, it was the 80s. How We Live were on tour, opening for Chris de Berg. Not an ideal slot, but we shared his management. Colin War, my partner in How We Live, which was essentially a two-piece act all the rage in the 80s, had been playing live already for over ten years, and in all that time his mum and dad had never been to one of his gigs. They were quite posh Glaswegians, and he'd never played a venue he felt he could invite them to until our gig with Chris at the Edinburgh Playhouse. He had arranged a box for them. It was going to be a big night for him. The band was driving by minibus to Edinburgh from our previous show town, Manchester. By the time we got to the Scottish border, I was bored stiff. Our sax player, Andrew, was skinning up a joint and passing it round the band. I don't smoke, but I felt left out, so I asked him to break off a bit of the dope for me to chew. After half an hour, I'd felt no change whatsoever, so I asked him for a bit more. Never having eaten marijuana before, I didn't know that it takes much more time to kick in than alcohol. A couple of hours later, we arrived at Edinburgh, and as I stepped down out of the minibus, I felt a sudden otherness. Soundcheck progressed without incident, but all the time I was feeling stranger and stranger. By the end of the soundcheck, Elvis had left the planet. I had the strangest sensation of time. The past had ceased to exist, and the now was residing on the bridge of my nose and falling away into an abyss with each passing second. I had no immediate past memory, something we all take for granted until it's gone. I was trying to explain this to the band, like this. Um, I can't remember what I've just said to you, and I can't remember telling you that I can't remember. And I can't remember telling you that I can't remember that I can't remember. What about the songs? asked Colin. What songs? I said. Oh dear, said Colin. They tried everything to straighten me out, walked me round Edinburgh, shivering in the cold air, held me in a cold shower, etc. Nothing helped. We were on stage at eight o'clock, and at 7.45, already in my stage clothes, I began to feel nauseous. I ran down the stairs, umpteen floors, and out of the stage door into the car park to be sick, on my hands and knees, carefully shuffling backwards with each wretch so as to keep it off my outfit. The gig was sold out. Colin's mum and dad were in pride of place in the box with the champagne and the Terry's all-gold chocolates. At eight o'clock... I heard the band strike up inside the venue from my position on my hands and knees in the car park. Somehow I got to my feet and ran into the building and straight up the stairs and onto the stage. As I approached the centre mic, looking out at a packed Edinburgh playhouse, I had no idea what I was going to do. Consciously, I didn't recognise the song the band was playing, nor did I know the words or the melodies. 
This was definitely up there in my top five most terrifying moments of being alive, and I've had some crackers. It was dry land. I stood mystified as the first line came improbably out of my mouth. In all the time that I've known you. There's a guitar phrase before each line of the verse. Ring, 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 ring. During this, I was shouting across at our keyboardist, Raina Shine, real name, she used to be Vangelis's studio engineer. I was shouting, Was that right? Yes, she nodded. Was it the tune? Yes, keep going, she shouted. And so the song and the show progressed. By the end of our set, the adrenaline and terror had straightened me out and I was back in the room. Well, that was the last time I'd played here. This time, fortunately, I wasn't off my head and the show went very well. Fish must have been, at best, feeling weird and, at worst, feeling sick. After the show, John Arneson came to me and said, He wants to meet you. So off I went, down the corridor, to find him alone in our dressing room. I said hi and we chatted. He was gracious and pleasant. When Ian turned up, I went to get dressed and left them to it. I said, terrified to meet you, relieved to talk to you, by way of a good night. Steve R. said later that if I ever leave the band, he'll kill me. I think he meant it as a compliment. Monday, 23rd of December, Bradford St George's Hall. Left the hotel around 11 in the rocket. That must be the Porsche. The journey was rainy and grey, back down the M6 and M62 to Bradford. At one point, a white Rover 2000 drove alongside us in the outside lane, and Mark said, Did you see that lot in the car eyeballing us? I said, It's because we're in a sports car. People are bound to stare. Well, let's pull up alongside them and stare back. Come on, Steve, get alongside, said Kelly. Steve caught up to the car, which was now in the middle lane, and Mark said, one, two, three, now! I gave the car my hardest ever sneer, which quickly turned to horror, as I saw they were all uniformed police. That boy Kelly really is getting madder by the hour. By some miracle we weren't stopped. They must have had something more important to do. Phew. The show went well. That must be Bradford. I twisted my ankle early on, which was quite painful, but I later realised not serious. My mum and dad came and sat on the balcony over the stage. John Leedell and Steve Major, my oldest boyhood pals from Intake Doncaster, came also. It was John who sat with me all those years ago, whacking marbles into the air with tennis rackets. He said that he and Steve were at Manchester but that this was even better. Great. During the show, I encountered screaming girls for the first time. Don't remember that, if I'm honest. Tuesday, 24th of September. Bradford, Leeds, Nottingham, uh, day off. I awoke from a deep sleep to hear the phone ringing. Who the hell is calling me in the middle of the night, I thought. Ten o'clock, said the voice of Dee down the phone. Leave at 10.30. I went back to sleep and was called again at 10.35. I was bundled into the bus, apologising, and still half asleep. We drove into Bradford and Pulse FM, where we did a quick interview, and then on to Leeds to Air FM, where Mark and I were interviewed by a twat whose name escapes me. He kept going on about the band being finished and how the band had vanished since Fish left. I checked to see if I was still there. I seemed to be. Couldn't help losing my cool eventually. You try to be nice, but they seem to love the artists who don't. We arrived in Nottingham and I went for a walk around. First with Mad Jack. I took him for a pint in Yates's Wine Lodge and then alone. This is where I went to college to do my degree in electrical engineering. This city is inseparable in my memory from the long hot summer of 1976, sitting in the old market square on a Wednesday afternoon, watching the cool fountains playing in the shimmering heat, and making dinner, cod in butter sauce, Cadbury's smash, 
They advertised it with laughing Martian robots. On a camping gas stove in the sweltering attic of my digs on Corporation Oaks. Bought boots and resisted the temptation to buy Fifi more shoes, but it was close. Found the original Paul Smith shop and had a mooch around. I may go back tomorrow. Returned to the hotel later for a cheese and wine party in full swing in Trev's room. Sandra Casali, press officer from EMI, phoned to tell me the Cambridge show received a rave review in Kerrang and to ask my inside leg measurements. Went to bed for a snooze after phoning my girls. Got up at 8pm and went for a curry with the crew. Wednesday, 25th of September, Nottingham Royal Centre. Stirred by the phone at 10.30. It was Louise Vays phoning to say hi and ask how it was all going. She says she's coming up to Nottingham tonight and staying with her mum and dad. She's originally from here. Sweet of her to call, got up and showered and put some film in my camera. Went out and installed myself in a cafe with coffee and apple pie to catch up on this diary. Went back to the venue and took a few snaps of the boys loading in before embarking upon a nostalgia trip round Trent Uni. I was trying to find the grand pianos I'd learned to play on. The full concert grand in the Arkwright Lecture Theatre had gone, along with the lecture theatre. The Bonington Lecture Theatre was locked. I found my way around and through the Byron Student Union building and back up the road. I found a second-hand shop where I bought a leather coat for 12 quid. Do you know, I think I've still got that. Back at the Royal Theatre, a room full of recording equipment had arrived and chaps were frantically connecting it up to record the show. We bought most of it and borrowed some of it. The show went well, although the audience was relatively sedate. I think we thawed them out by the end, though. I made my first balcony run of the tour, achieved by climbing the PA speaker stack and jumping onto the balcony, running right round and climbing down the PA on the opposite side of stage. Back at the hotel, I chatted with John from Radio Trent, who reminds me of Michael Palin and has been added to my list of favourite radio broadcasters. It's short. Thursday 26th of September Cardiff, St David's Hall Rose at 9.30 as I was awake before the alarm call Chatted with a chap in the hotel lounge Suit, shirt and tie Who I'd passed wearing a Marillion shirt the night before He said he's a Smith Klein Beecham rep They make resolve And he's coming to Hammersmith He's even in one of the photographs of the Borderline show In the Dryland 10-inch single The journey to Cardiff was uneventful. I spent most of it asleep on the back seat of the bus. Checked into the hotel and had 20 minutes in the solarium, then drove into Cardiff, which looks like quite a beautiful city. Saw the most intense rainbow I've ever seen, like two rainbows superimposed, and complete from end to end on the horizon. We stayed at the show from soundcheck onwards. Dee took me to Red Dragon FM for a short interview and then back to the venue where John had arrived with dates for Europe's second leg. The dates include Florence, Venice and Vienna. Yeah, makes a change from industrial Germany. The show at Cardiff went well, although again the audience was quiet until the end when they spontaneously suddenly went wild. I had tech trouble with the T1, that's my keyboard thing, during the party. Jack had made a few adjustments during the sound check. After the show, he came out of the shower and said, The Hammond's got to go. Before going to bed, I had a look at the final edit of the Dryland video. I think it's okay. Friday, 27th September, Aston Villa Leisure Centre. Left the hotel at 1130 and drove up the motorway back to Birmingham. We arrived at the Holiday Inn around 2.30 and drove down to the venue at 4. Memories of Christmas dinner here came back as I sat in catering. That was Christmas 89. Sandra Casali from EMI had come down with a journalist from the Daily Express who was to review the show. 
the sound check went well and I finally got the projectors rehearsed for a collection. After the sound check, we returned to the hotel and I had a walk round the corner to check out the new Hyatt. Very nice. Shame we're not staying. The show went really well. I was relaxed. The band played well and the sound on and off stage was great. I chatted with the man from the Express, Mike, who, according to Sandra, really enjoyed the show. We'll see. Old school friend Linda Todd, who used to go out with my best mate, Carl Gerrish, showed up with husband-to-be. It was nice to see her after so long. She said, I haven't changed a bit. Oh dear, I'd rather hoped I'd improved. Paul Devine said the slides looked good. You could have knocked me down with a feather. Saturday, 28th of September, Birmingham home. Left the hotel at 11.30 and drove down, dropping Steve at home, then Ian, before arriving home myself. I introduced Dee to Fifi, whose hair had grown a little while I was away. She looks more like a little girl and less like a toddler now. Dizzy is fine and it was great to be back. Nothing had exploded or malfunctioned around the house. Diz made me some lunch, which Fifi shared, including fab blackberry crumble with the second half of the berries we'd picked in the village back on Sunday the 8th. Realised I'd left my toilet bag at the Holiday Inn, Birmingham. Phoned them. It's okay. They have it. It rained all day, so we stayed in. Watched a bit of TV and went to bed at 8. Big mistake. Woke up at 11, couldn't sleep and ended up getting up watching Dracula and writing this diary until now, which is 2am. P.S. I thought I was going back to bed. Met Fifi on the landing coming the other way. I want to come downstairs with you. Went downstairs for another half an hour and then was emotionally blackmailed into bed with her. Just until I'm asleep. One hour later, 3am, she was still awake, so I put her in our bed with Sue and went back to Fifi's bed. Bloody marvellous. Can't sleep with my wife even when I'm home. Hello, we're back. Um, from what really is an astonishing little section of diary. Um, <laughs> it's a morality tale. If, if I'm being Still honest. I feel weak. I feel weak just thinking about it. Well, you know. A morality tale, yes. Uh, yes. Be, be, just be informed that when you, when, you eat, when you eat dope, it takes much, much longer to kick in than, than when you have a G&T. So don't think, that's rubbish, that didn't do anything, I'll have another bit. Big mistake. Because yeah. then it all comes at once. Like bosses, like, they all come round the corner together and knock you down. Well, I and that's what happened to me. I had, a, I had a, uh, I was in Amsterdam and uh, a, a, an old boss of mine, same thing. Never had a, uh, never had a spliff. Went out. We were in a cafe, yeah, and and he's he was a cigarette smoker, so he had this thing mm. and he took a real deep lungful and he was like, well. It's, I don't feel anything, don't feel anything at all. So he did it again and he did it again. And everybody else is, we're, we're all sat there just chilled out. And before we know it, he's gone through this thing, claiming that it's made no difference to his life whatsoever. And he can't, he can't, there's no effect. It's just all, this is all, right. all garbage. I'm immune, he thought. And then we didn't see him for three days. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> it's worse if you eat it because nothing happens for about two hours. Yeah. Uh, by which time you've had so much. You know that the whole of the whole of time disappears under the head of a pin, and then you're in all sorts of trouble. I, in fact, I would I would say to people, I've never had a good experience eating dope. I mean, if you're going to do anything with dope, smoke it. But not being a smoker, I've always eaten it either either raw, you know, in little chunks, which was the mistake I made that day. Or, or, you know, in cakes that people in Holland have made and go, oh, we've made you some dope cake. You know, we've put it in the dressing room and, you, and I just think, oh, have you? That's where it's going to bloody stay. <laughs> but um, well, once, you know, once you are tempted to have even a corner off a bit of dope cake, you, you, you've got to be ready to go back to your hotel and watch the walls <laughs> pulsating for four hours. So uh, do be warned. <laughs> 
Oh dear. And was there anything anything else you can anything at all extra you can remember about that day? You mentioned something to me about a random shower. Oh, well, yeah, that was the one that was the one amusing memory I I I I, I took away from it and that I tend to go back to whenever I I, I think back to it. Christa Berg had a very very kind of straight dapper uh, respectable uh, tour accountant who wasn't like a rock and roll rock and roll crew at all he was like so- someone you'd find in a bank and he wore a little suit and he as as luck would have it he'd he'd set out his little little stall he'd got a table and a chair and he'd got all his ticket stubs and his calculator um and he'd set them up in the doorway of the only room, uh, well, certainly the only room that we had access to backstage that had a shower in it because our dressing room didn't have one. Um, and he was he was sitting there um, in his business suit with his calculator and his, his pen and his, 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 his account ledgers and his ticket stubs. Uh, when I appeared in the, in the doorway hanging between two other members of How We Live, uh, unable to walk because I'd sort of lost the use of my legs. Um, And they said to him, I can't remember what, I think he was called Andrew. Um, Andrew, would you mind awfully if we just, um, if if Steve used the shower? And Andrew looked up in his, you know, from his half-lens spectacles and said, oh, yes, of course, dear boy, be my guest. And so they, they, they sort of dragged me past him um, and into this shower in the corner, where, where, which they they turned full on on cold and just sort of held me in with broom handles, screaming. Um, while and he never batted an eyelid the whole time. So despite being dapper, he was obviously very rock and roll and used to the kind of things that go on at at shows. Um, I'm behind him screaming blue murder, um, being being doused by a shower. Which they were hoping would straighten me out, of course, and and didn't. Um, and I came out feeling exactly the same as as I went in, except that I was cold and wet. Um, this was after they'd walked me around Edinburgh in the cold air for about an hour and a half. Um, so I often think back to Chris Deberg's tour accountant, and I'm sure he remembers me fondly wherever he is in the world. Well, if you're listening, Andrew, get in touch. <laughs> Uh, if you can add anything to the story, uh, embellish it a bit, that would be great. Um, he probably occasionally thinks, I wonder what became of that chap that was screaming in the shower behind me. Yeah, yeah. What did become of you? No, we'll leave that for a different episode. Um, so so we're, getting, we're getting close to the end. I, I, the one thing I was going to mention, because uh, it, it pops in there as well, um, I met you for the first time at Bradford. You won't remember, right? Um, but uh, I, I managed to get um, I managed to get a backstage pass for for Bradford. I wrote I, I was a member of the web and I wrote in and said, "Oh, any possibility um, of getting oh. backstage?" And uh, and I ended up backstage and right. said hello. And you know, was that was on the holidays in Eden? That was on that was, was the Bradford date on the holidays in Eden Tour, St George's Hall, I believe. St George's Hall. That's it. This sort of brown, sort of stone building, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. An old, yeah. Sort of, so that's the very yeah, first time we ever actually building. interacted. Um, huh. You know, uh, and clearly it meant far more to me than it did to you. But that's all right. I mean, it's okay. I'm, I'm not judging. I, I've met a lot of people, yeah, Anthony, yeah. over the years, and usually after a sleepless <laughs> night with quite a lot of tequila inside yeah. me. So yeah, all, all dope. That's it's no excuse, but it's it's a reason. No, it's it's there. <laughs> it's it's there. It's it's uh, you know. It's better than the ones that Boris is given for Dominic, so we'll 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 move on. Can you tell that's upset me? But anyway, no, we'll listen. You know, that's a, that might not age well. Um, so yes, yeah, so I met you then. Um, we're going to we had a little we had a little chat, and we are going to go with your idea. And um, the next thing you're going to hear when we finish rambling will be uh, H is going to record um, the first twenty twenty five you know patron shout outs to a little bit of uh, a little bit of. Backing, he's going to sing them. So uh, once we finish, don't don't turn off because there's going to be a, a little bit of patron-based rendition, uh, and that's how your shout-outs yeah. are going to work. More more of a croon out than a shout out. A croon out. A croon out. Yeah. I like croon out. Crooncast. Yeah. A what? A croon what? Crooncast. A croon cast. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. yes, here it comes. Here it comes. But before we go, the one thing we do need to say, because we'll have talked to you a bit about Patreon this week, and we won't bang on about Patreon every week. It's just that, obviously, we've, we've got it sorted yeah. out, so we needed to mention it. But if you have signed up and you've not messaged H with your birthday details, and we don't need to know when you were born, you're all beautiful people. We don't judge you based on age. Um, no, I love you just as much if you're even as old as me. Yeah, indeed. Um, so can you can you message in um, and um, make sure that you send your birthday details in? Um, and for those few who joined early and haven't yet put your addresses into your profile on Patreon, can you please do that? Because if you want a birthday card, we need to know where to send it. Yes, I need to know. When it is and where to send it. Yes. So if you and can, if it was in January this year, no, no you're not getting you're not one. Getting You'll one. have to wait. No. No. Uh, uh, Birthday. A dog is not just for Christmas. No. Indeed. Etc. Indeed. All of those things. <laughs> a dog is for cowering under the sofa. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so we're about done for, for chapter six. Um, but uh, but in a second, you are going to. I can't believe I'm saying this. You're going to get H crooning the first batch of of, of patron, 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 patron deals. Pa- patron people, I can't even say it. Purple patrons. The purple patron, purple patron crooncast. Mm, yeah. Suits you. Um, okay, everybody, take care. Stay safe out there. Uh, and we will, uh, and we will, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you, Alan Kennedy, Ian Smart, Katie Rusum, Dean Barton, Nathan Page, Mark Nelson, Andy Miles, Andrew Barnsley, Pete Witcher. Proud Stewart, Amy Hoare, Adeline Norman, thank you Simon Clay, Sid Brunia, I don't know how to pronounce your name, perhaps you're It's a bit tricky to pronounce if you're an English idiot. But thank you anyway. Sonia Shirley, Linda Yorty, Renee Burton, David Marshall, Sabina Schoen, Rich. Hendricks, Stuart Burns, Vanessa Kennedy, how are you, babe? Brian Ward, Andrew Nott, Adam Burton, and Catherine Ball. Forgetting Richard Bristow I believe that's 28 All together An ant said don't do more than 25 Have a good week everybody Isn't it great to be purple, don't you think? Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.